Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Anne Patchett, who is one of my favorite writers, said, I will write my way into another life. I've been thinking a lot about imagination and the power of perspective. Because despite my hope that it's all going to settle down and, and be still and okay and finished, so to speak, I just keep getting whipped around in the wind. And so many others that I'm around are telling me that, that they are too. So because we can't harness the wind or really control much of the whipping, I think we really do need to tend to our perspectives and to hone our imaginative spaces, our interior spaces. And maybe we can make the problems beautiful somehow. This episode comes with a really important caveat, one that I, I really need you to hear. I'm going to talk in this episode about possibilities and making new doorways, new opportunities where you might feel stuck, which I think is something good for all of us to practice, something important. But I also want you to know that there are things that happen to us, very real things, that cannot be made beautiful at all. And I'm always going to reserve space for those things, just to be dark, ugly, terrible, and something that we shouldn't be required to transform. But instead, things that we have been forced to endure and learn to live with and leave and not feel responsible for in any way. So you do not need to make those terrible things into anything beautiful or any kind of new lesson or shiny thing. But some of the other like middle and low grade kind of itchy problems, worries and stumps in the road, um, just the, the ways that we get our, uh, in our own way and the ways that we think about ourselves that might be holding us back. Some of those things can be tended to so that we have a lighter life in the day-to-day. And that's what this episode, that's what I really, really want to point to in these stories ahead. I have a friend, um, he's a colleague too, and his name is Patrick Montgomery. And I know some of you are smiling <laughs> right now because you know him too. He's a dear human in the Denver yoga community and beyond. And Patrick and I taught together for years. We used to offer a 300-hour advanced teacher training together before things cracked open and changed a lot in the world. And I haven't seen him in a while but I read, I tend to read what he posts on social media because it's always thoughtful and articulate and interesting. And a lot of times it's about horses, which is one of his great loves alongside yoga. A few days ago, Patrick 
posted about a trip he took with his husband and his friend Jenny, who's also my friend. And in his description, it sounded like it was primarily a horse trip. Um, they had horses that they were competing. They were competing in something or, or they were showing these horses in some kind of event. And the three of them were, were also camping. And some some pretty significant things went wrong. Like the weather was really wet and muddy and then something happened with the camper that um, was like a defect and they couldn't roll it up. So logistically, a lot of parts were just hard and it almost felt unsolvable and like they might have to give up on the weekend. But with some teamwork and kind of cranking it this way and that way, the weekend turned out to be okay. And at the end of his story, Patrick said that he and Jenny were talking about it after it was all over and kind of taking stock and and they both decided and realized that they liked it. You know, they liked things kind of being derailed and, and having to work to get it back on track, the complications and the friction of all of that. And as I read it, I realized that this is exactly the reason I like working and collaborating with Patrick. He doesn't get deterred easily. And he... he th- thoroughly actually enjoys the process of getting to realign and restore things back to health and to vitality. And I got to admit, this is not something that I'm natural at. And I think it's it's partly why I crave doing things like this podcast, because I, I need these lessons. I need to coach myself at these things because it's not natural for me in the moment. Um, when something is derailing, my natural state in those moments is to panic, <laughs> kind of all the way to the finish line. I panic first when things go wrong, and I I not only usually panic, but I also tend to run and hide or at least want to go run and hide. And that is why I love working with oak trees like Patrick, because these people actually love the Tetris aspect of problem solving. And I can get there eventually, but mostly I love it when it's all over and kind of zipped up. I love to feel the relief. But the actual granular cranking of realignment is sort of anxiety producing for me. But I also believe, even though it it brings stuff up for me, I believe that kind of cranking is so necessary for our growth. And that friction, the unexpected weather, the whatever it is that has gotten in the way of our dreamscape, the pebble in our shoe or the boulder in the road, if we can see those things as particles of growth or even even better, a doorway, a new doorway in the desert leading us somewhere that we never expected to go. If we can, I think it's important to try to make the problem beautiful. It's not supposed to happen that way, no, when the weather comes in. But when it does, there can be an awkward beauty to it when that weather comes in, to the cranking, the realignment, the collection of debris to make something new. And I believe It can be so fulfilling to try and make something new in those moments. I'll tell you something that's happening right now within our family. 
children, they, they go through these nonlinear spurts of growth, resistance, independence, delight, and rage and reconfiguration, just like us. I think we do that too. But I, I think kids often do it more aloud than usual. And so Coretta, our Coretta is 2.5 and she loves to say no. And she's emphatic and she squints and stomps and hollers. And, and I think she says no mostly for the sport of it. I think she likes the rise and the heat it produces, which I sort of do understand. So I'm reading this book um, called Joyful Toddlers and Preschoolers by Faith Collins for some ideas and some relief to my to my panic that I don't know how to parent properly. (laughs) And in the first chapter, she says, what if when your toddler says no, you assume that they are really saying, I need more connection right now. And when I read it, it felt like a lot of a stretch for me, but I kept reading and she goes on to describe a scenario when the, the child doesn't want to put on their coat, which those of you who, who have two and three year olds or who, who have had two and three year olds know that this is like a big thing, like leaving the house, putting on shoes, putting on coats. It's just so hard sometimes. So she describes this scenario when the child doesn't want to put on the coat, but they needed to go somewhere at a certain time. So instead of the mom getting super irritated um, after asking several times nicely and then strong arming the kid into the coat, which I've definitely been known to do that version, she describes that she chases the child a little bit. She tickles them and she finds a butterfly in one sleeve of the coat, which then draws the child in who wants to put her arm in the other arm to see if there's another butterfly. And so then she happily puts on the coat and then they sing and march to the car together. And I read this whole little beautiful, very um, well-constructed story. And then I I laughed out loud and I thought, I'm going to try this and Coretta's going to eat me for breakfast. My child's not going to fall for this. And so I told Matt about the idea and we had a really good laugh and Fast forward the same day to bath time and Coretta was in the bathtub and bathtub um, getting out of the bathtub historically is, is a hard time for her because she never wants to get out of the water. And Matt said, okay, baby girl, it's time to get out and put on your PJs. And she looked at him and put her hand on her hip and she said, nope. And so I got the towel ready. We sort of have to do this together because it's a it's usually a big um, meltdown. And he he said to my surprise, hold up, hold up your hands and let's fly together over the moon and into the flower patch. Mom is waiting for you and she's the flower patch. And I'm standing there with a towel just thinking this isn't going to work, kind of expecting a total meltdown. And what happens instead is that Coretta holds up her arms and she says very enthusiastically, I'm ready to fly, Papa. And there he plops her in the towel in the the flower patch and she's smiling without a meltdown in sight. 
I think maybe why it worked, why it works, why the author points to this is because there is a possibility, a new possibility of a doorway. We can create something else to point to. And when we did that for Coretta Bear, it became alive for her. And it changed the no to a yes because she was able to have something in her imagination that was even more attractive than staying where she was in the water. Okay, so what if we were able to do that for ourselves? What if we could make the problem beautiful or different somehow just through our imagination? I saw a picture the other day of a marquee And it had four words written on it. It said, vertically, it said, um, you, and then underneath you, it said, matter. And then it had a space. And then it said, don't. And underneath that, it said, give up. So if you read it vertically, it says, you matter, don't give up. But if you read it horizontally, it says, you don't matter, give up. So different. So how we read things, how we digest things and spin them, how we receive friction can be essential to how we thrive on this planet, this planet that seems to have all the things planned for us. And if you're a panicker like me, then it helps to find your wise bears like Patrick to collaborate with so that you can learn to see the doorways, even if it's not natural to you because the people around you are doing that. And sometimes problems, um, especially these like these itchy middle grade problems that aren't really big things, but they're just things that kind of get stuck in our way. Sometimes these kinds of problems need a way out. They need to be able to change shape with air and light. And sometimes people need a way out too, out of the corner that they've painted themselves into. A couple days ago, um, I had this interaction that felt really important with Matt. I was pretty stressed and I had a lot on my plate and I was kind of grumpy and my skin was just crawling for like a pot full of reasons. But I was trying to wrangle the kids and do a million things at one time. And Matt was just kind of leisurely sitting in the chair, just, you know, kind of taking it all in. And he asked me a question that felt irrelevant and not helpful. I can't remember exactly what he asked. And it wasn't mean, but it wasn't helpful. And so instead of answering him, I snapped and said something sarcastic. And he recoiled and snapped back at me a little bit. And then I was ready to dig in again because my resources were low and I felt pretty, pretty itchy and angry. But I watched him do something that was a very conscious decision. He, he changed the room on purpose. He said, let's go for a walk. Want to go, Buff? And his voice was lighter. And so he scooped up the kids, put them in the burly, grabbed the dog. He made a doorway and he gave me a way out at the, right at the point when I was ready to dig down deeper. And he didn't keep grinding on the same place, the metal on metal place. But he instead rearranged the furniture and just opened the windows. And he didn't hold me to it. 
and he didn't keep punishing me for the snap. And we just took this fresh air walk and my irritation was allowed, thankfully, to kind of blow away in the wind. And I was so grateful for that shift, for the opportunity to not keep the same narrative. And sometimes we really do need that way out and somebody else can make space for that. A few weeks ago, Otis asked if we could rearrange the furniture in his room. And so we did. And after we did that, I asked him if he liked it. And he said, yeah, I like it. I just wanted to feel different than what I was feeling. And I so get that. I sometimes, too, want to just feel different on the inside And sometimes I think we can accomplish that by redecorating things on the outside, by just going outside, moving yourself in the in the wild, sitting in the bathtub, actually changing external circumstances. But sometimes I think it's a little more complex than that. And it takes practice to see light where there has been historically a lot of darkness or see something easy when it's all been really hard. But I do believe that it usually lives there, that magic in, in some possibility, in some form. We can try to make the problem beautiful. Some ways to do that, I found, um, for me, I'll tell you some things that I, but I think that if this varies from person to person, of course, and I, I'm sure that you have your own list of metaphorically opening the windows for the sun to come in. But some things that help me, or quiet time, quiet imagination time, just time for me to kind of wander around in my brain, quiet imagination time that has some internal imagery of things that make me feel warm. When we transform the things that make us panic into things that make us feel warm, I think that can really feel helpful. I like to imagine the actual doorways in the desert. I like to visualize that, that imagery. Um, I think when we find our Patricks to collaborate with, our wise bears, they can save our life. Um, Something I regularly talk about in this podcast, but it's worth saying over and over again, I think moving really helps. Actually moving your body when you're paralyzed with a problem a walk, a good sweat, boxing, jumping jacks, whatever it is you can manage, even if it's only for a couple minutes, it will flip things over and maybe knock something loose. Because panicking and worrying, those emotions love to live in stagnant places, in places that don't move because it feeds their agenda. Another thing that helps is going to see art, staring at creation, something that was born out of another person's imagination can really stimulate doorways. And when I do that, my problems feel like they have a different texture when I have been in the presence of another person's art, truly. And another thing that happens is I see the possibility in my own art when I get to witness another person's. So get out and do that constantly as much as you can. And of course, read books, really good ones that have been squeezed from another person's heart. 
a good book can make me feel like I want to reinvent myself. It can make me want to rewrite my whole life. So do that when you feel stagnant and stuck and alone. And that just sometimes a a really good world that you enter from a book can make your problems feel more beautiful than they did before. Get low to the ground and, and live a little time with the perspective of a ladybug as low as possible to the ground, literally. Um, A book that does that, that lives low to the ground and witnesses creatures and nature on a low level is a book called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard. And I love, love, love her writing in this book. If you haven't read this, put this high on your list. Um, I have asked Otis to come in with me here in the closet to read something to you. And this thing, this book that he's going to read started, it was the seed that started this whole episode. Otis asked me to read this with him this week. And I, and after we did, I snuck back in after he was asleep to get the book, to read it again to myself. And I, I wish you could see the illustrations as he reads it because they're really special. They start out kind of gloomy and all gray and stormy. And by the end of the book, the illustrations are yellow and gold and kind of orangey and very alive with color that progresses from the beginning to the end. So it's a book you might want to get and have on your bookshelf. Here's Otis. <laughs> What do you do with a problem? Written by Kobe Yamada. Illustrated by Mae Bessem. I didn't know how it happened, but one day I had a problem. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I really didn't like having a problem, but but it was there. Why is it here? What does it want? What do you do with a problem, I thought. I wanted to make it go away. I shoot it, I scowled at it, I tried ignoring it, but nothing worked. I started to worry about my problem. What if it swallows me up? What if my problem sneaks up and gets me? What if it takes away all of my things? I worried a lot. I worried about what would happen. I worried about what could happen. I worried about this and I worried about and worried about that. And the more I worried, the bigger my problem became. I wished it would just disappear. I tried everything I could to hide from it. I even found ways to disguise myself, but it still found me. And the more I avoided my problem, the more I saw it everywhere. I thought about it all the time. I didn't feel good at all. I couldn't take it anymore. This has to stop, I declare. Maybe I was actu- maybe I was making my problem bigger and scarier than it actually was. After all, my problem hadn't really swallowed me up or attacked me. I realized that I had to face it. So even though I didn't want to, even though I was really afraid, I got ready and tackled my problem. When I got face-to-face with it, I discovered something. My problem wasn't what I thought it was. I discovered it had something beautiful inside. My problem held an opportunity. 
It was an opportunity for me to learn and to grow, to be brave, to do something. It showed me that it was important to look closely, because some opportunities only come once. So now I see problems differently. I'm not afraid of them anymore because I know their secret. Every problem has an opportunity for something good. You just have to look for it. The end. Sending big, big love to all, especially the ones who are panicked. To all the patrons, a very special thank you to you. You keep me going. I think we're really on to something with this things that will help community. If you would like to become a patron and join this community and conversation, please check out the show notes to find out how. Also, thank you to Otis for reading, for being a bright light, and for pointing me towards daily lessons that have changed me for the good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.